Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Encapsulated in pastors, evangelists, and so on and so forth. Uh, but we need teaching. Teaching is whenever we get on a level where we explain God's word. Preaching is whenever we declare God's word. And we need not just a declaration, but we need an explanation. Because there's a lot of people declaring stuff they don't know about. So we need an explanation. And so we're, we've been teaching on basic training for life for the past several weeks. This is week number six. And so if this is your first time here today, please don't get worried because you don't have to have been here the previous five lessons in order uh, to understand or uh, to glean from what I'm talking about today. They're not uh, interdependent or codependent upon each other except that they all come from the same origin and that's the word of God, amen. But we're looking at some cardinal doctrines of the word of the Lord and this morning we're gonna look at the Godhead, amen, lesson number six. We're gonna look at the Godhead. You may have heard that terminology and I was excited when I knew this was the case because I love, I love this subject. I love this subject matter. And uh, in my experience, any time, and, uh, and I feel the spirit already here today, but any time you start talking about uh, Jesus Christ, you talk about the Almighty God that incarnated or enfleshed himself in the body of a man and known as Jesus Christ, uh, those who walked upon the earth, there is just a special, special presence and spirit that accompanies, amen, that. And I expect nothing less today in the teaching of God's word. Romans chapter number one and verse number 20 Uh, I want to read one verse here, and then we'll go to Colossians 2, verses 8 and 9, uh, just to give you a little heads up here of where we're headed to. The Bible says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. It's speaking of God. For the invisible things of him, God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Colossians chapter number 2 verses 8 and 9. Amen. These may be some familiar passages to uh, some people but if it's not familiar to you that's, that's perfectly okay. Amen. We're here to familiarize ourselves with them today. Colossians 2 verse 8, it says, Beware, everyone say beware. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him, that is Christ Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer that he would help our understanding. I pray a spirit of revelation just fall upon everybody in this place today. Father, I come to you. I'm asking, O Lord, for your spirit of revelation, God, to fall upon each and every individual under the sound of my voice. Enlighten our minds and our hearts. I pray, God, I already sense your presence. We've experienced that. But now through, Lord, the explanation and sharing of your word, 
God, let there be enlightenment, Lord Jesus, for our minds and our understanding. God, and we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray and the church say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. The, the Godhead. We, we have heard this term or this terminology perhaps somewhere along our lives or our journey. Uh, the Godhead is nothing more, just a common dictionary meaning of Godhead is the state of being God. Godhead is the state of being God. It is the means that God used to redeem lost mankind, the state of being God. We find that the Godhead uh, is explained in the virgin birth even of Jesus Christ. In the scriptures I read to you, I chose those two in particular to open this lesson today since they contain the word Godhead. But if you one more time, we'll look at Romans 1 and verse number 20 to see what the scripture says. Again, for the invisible, everybody say invisible, invisible things of him, God. The invisible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly Seen. Now, this is interesting. He's saying the invisible things of God are seen. The things that can't be seen are now seen. And they're being understood. We're granted understanding also by what we see. There is a little explanation and a further detailing of the invisible uh, that's going to be carried about with this. Being understood by the things that are made. So it tells us that we, we can see and we can understand the invisible by what we can see. That a lot of the invisible attributes, natures, possibilities of God are understood by what God's made, God's created. It's by uh, the grass and the mountains, the galaxies, the orbiting of the planets planets you might not be able to see the nature or the attribute of God of his power per se but you can see it in his creation and so we understand his power by what he has created by what has been made we understand it and we see it by the things that have been made and the scripture goes a little further though and says so if you're just thinking along the lines uh, of grass and dirt and rocks he says even his eternal power and Godhead you can understand the Godhead or his state of being God this invisible type of situation by the things that he made and created as well and what that illustrates to you and I is that whenever God had formed and we'll get to it here in a little bit but whenever God formed Jesus Christ that flesh that man-child in the womb of Mary and was to be born, Jesus Christ, that thing which was formed and made, became an explanation, explanation for the invisible God we could not see. And Jesus Christ through his life and the office in which he served in even his humanity gave us understanding about God. Amen. Gave us understanding about God. Insomuch as we look then in Colossians 2 and verses 8 and 9, and we go there just one more time and we'll get into this lesson. I have a feeling I'm going to have a hard time today staying on track. But the Bible says beware, and I want everybody to understand that purely. He meant to beware because as that was in their day, so it is in our day. 
I do not believe the apostle was just writing for his time period, but the epistles that were written for the churches was written for the churches of every age and every time period. Whenever he told them to beware, I believe it's a beware for our generation and day as well because there are many philosophies Amen. In the world today, that if you would lend ear and lend a mind, you might find yourself taken by deceit and deception. For that matter, he tells us another thing that we must beware of, and that is the tradition of men. Because you'll be swallowed up by a tradition of men where you'll accept that. And the Bible tells us in Mark 7 that will make the word then of God of none effect because of the tradition of men. I hope and try to the best of our ability here at the First Apostolic Church to uh, promote and propagate not our tradition, but if you will, the tradition of the Scriptures, the tradition of the Word of God. And so what I present today is not my tradition. Uh, It's only mine because I've adopted this tradition of the Word of God and the Word of faith. And so beware that you're not just taken by the tradition of men. In other words, today, we're going to try to stay just looking at the Word of God. Uh, There's times, you know, people bring up church fathers and all that's great and fine, but let's go a little further back to that. You want to go, I want to go to the original church fathers. I want to go to uh, Peter and James and John and Andrew and Bartholomew and I want to I see what these guys have to say the book of Hebrews plainly tells us I think it is in Hebrews 2 speaking that all these things concerning this great salvation was first spoken by the Lord first spoken by the Lord but they confirmed what he said to us amen they confirmed what he said to you and I because they were the ones that heard him and so I get a first account from the apostles and the disciples and so we got to beware of those things for in him Jesus Christ dwelleth all all the fullness of the Godhead or that state of being God bodily in his flesh now I would dare to say this morning with a crowd uh, like this and the the differing people that are here that most people are probably familiar to a certain note whether in church or out of church they are familiar with uh, the birth of Christ Jesus they are birthed with that story that very quickly we're coming upon and people will circle uh, their lives around that story the, the, the Bible story of Christ being born into the world and whenever we see this there's something that we got to answer for ourselves and that is was the birth of Jesus Christ a human conception or was it a divine conception all right is it a human conception or a divine conception the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1 we have plenty of scripture today if anybody's lacking this week we got plenty of word for you today Matthew chapter number 1 in verse 18 the Bible says now the birth of Christ the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together and that's exactly what you're thinking it is before there was any physical intimacy before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost she was found with child of the Holy Ghost so before Joseph and Mary had any intimate physical interaction this virgin Mary was with child pregnant and it was of everybody say of 
of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately because according to the law of that day, if he wanted to because she was with child, and normally a person being with child is because they've been intimate with another individual of the opposite sex in order to produce a child in the womb. That according to the law of that day, if he wanted to, he could have had her stoned to death. But Joseph loved Mary. He adored Mary. He cared for Mary. He did not want to hurt Mary, so he was just going to dismiss her privately from his life rather than taking that road of the law. But verse 20 says, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived, that child, all right, that, that Jesus Christ that we know that is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. That baby that is inside of her is of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the father of this baby. And so the conception, conception of Jesus Christ was a divine conception, a divine conception. Mary is providing the womb, Mary is providing uh, the nutrients from her body that's sustaining that child. And so whenever that child is born, it's going to have a divine father and an earthly mother. And so just as today, and this is the only way that I know to tell you, but just as today that there are certain attributes and characteristics in your life that you get from your mama's side and other characteristics and attributes that you get from your daddy's side, whenever Christ was born, there were characteristics and attributes that he got from his daddy's side, the divine side, and there were characteristics and attributes that he got from his mama's side, the earthly side. Can someone say amen? Someone says, well, he has his daddy's nose, or he has uh, his mother's eyes, or he's kind of a corker, like so on and so forth. Well, there's certain attributes, amen, this man, Christ Jesus, amen, had divinity and humanity wrapped up in one man, Christ Jesus. And that's the reason why you've heard me spill before, that's the reason why you can see him in one instance and words are coming from the man Christ Jesus and he's saying I'm hungry but on the other hand there's several thousands before him saying they are hungry and he blesses bread and breaks bread by divinity through his father's side and feeds the thousands that's how on one hand the Bible speaks of how he can be on a boat that's tossing up and down and there's a big storm and he's seemingly subjected to the storm as a man sleeping on the ship but whenever they awake him and say master we perish that same man on his father's side with divinity stands up and says peace be still and the winds and the waves even obey him that's how on his mother's side as humanity from the cross and even at the well he could say that I thirst. But in John 7 on his father's side, divine side, he said, whosoever thirst, let him come unto me and I'll put a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. Amen. And so Luke 1.35 speaks to us 
and says and tells us that Mary had been told about this before she was pregnant about what was going to take place and happened by the angel Gabriel in Luke 1.35 and the angel answered and said unto her the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee the power of the highest shall overshadow thee therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God and so the Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost hovered over overshadowed if you will Mary's womb and she conceived within her the Son of God now that's awesome that's beyond our human reasoning amen for her culture and time let me tell you Mary was the only woman that was pregnant and still considered a virgin amen because by natural process of thought if you're pregnant you're no longer a virgin because of what had to precipitate your pregnancy made null and void your virginity but Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost was pregnant yet still a virgin amen and let me say this and people love the story if you believe the virgin birth of Jesus Christ you can believe anything else that's contained in this word if you can believe that the Holy Ghost overshadowed a woman and put a child in her and she remained a virgin, you can believe that your sins can be washed away with baptism in Jesus' name. You can... You can believe that you can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If you can believe that doctrine, you can believe anything in God's Word. Woo! Amen. Matthew 1, 21, the Bible says, And she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name. Everybody say, Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus. Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus in the New Testament. Its basic meaning is the Lord is salvation or Jehovah is salvation. Some even term it God is salvation. Why? Because he shall save his people from their sins. Now, going on in verse 22, now all this was done. All this took place as it took place. The naming, everything, just it was all done. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, because this was already prophesied some 700 years before it ever happened. It was already prophesied. And this is a reoccurring verbiage of a prophecy that took place back in Isaiah. Now being recounted in Matthew chapter 1. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. Everybody say Emmanuel. Some dictionaries explain that. They shall call his name God-man. Amen. Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So whenever they looked upon the face of that holy child in the manger and the shepherds came and let their eyes fall upon him, they were casting their eyes on the God that was with them. Whenever he walked among the streets and laid hands on the sick and they recovered, that was the hand of God with them that was being put up. Whenever he brought Lazarus back from the grave and stood there and uttered his voice, that was God with them that was calling Lazarus from the grave. It's God 
with us. Isaiah, he spoke it firstly some 700 years ago of Isaiah 7.14. I try to slow down. I'm just excited. That's the reason why I'm moving fast about what I'm talking about. The Bible says, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. And, there, and we've already attested the fact there is no greater sign that a virgin shall conceive. <laughs> a virgin, and I've always said this, it bears repeating, people haven't heard me say it, probably sitting right out here. But in the Old Testament language, in the Hebrew, in Isaiah, when it says a virgin shall receive, we get the idea like a virgin, one among several virgins. But in the Hebrew, there's a definitive article there of not a, but the, the virgin that in the mind of God, it wasn't like he was fishing. He already had in his mind who it was and when it was that this Mary would be the one that would be overshadowed by the Holy God doesn't leave his plans up in the air just for happenstance or anything like that. Not just for Mary's life. Let me say today for any of our lives. God's got a plan for your life. If 700 years before Jesus was ever born, he already knew the mother, I guarantee you he has some plans bigger than what you're serving in right now for your life as well. Said, A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, hallelujah. That isn't the only prophecy in Scripture. There are others, but it's probably one of the more famed prophecies Isaiah is or prophets that concerns the birth of Jesus Christ. Another verse we love around the Christmas season and time is Isaiah 9 and 6 that goes on to speak of this child. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This is an awesome scripture to me. This is an awesome scripture about the revelation of God being in Christ to me. I remember one time we were in Kentucky evangelizing. I had a message prepared for that night. And as soon as I stepped to the podium, God brought to my attention Isaiah 9 and 6 and said, you need to read Isaiah 9 and 6. Well, I started reading Isaiah 9 and 6 and never got to my sermon, but preached the oneness of God for the duration of that night. And I just started with the people that were sitting there. I said, if you agree with me or will allow that the child that is being spoken of in Isaiah 9 and 6 is Jesus Christ that was born in Bethlehem stable, if you'll agree with me concerning that, and that's what you believe, and that is what it's talking about, I said, will you allow me to insert that child's name into this verse and so I began to read and said unto us Jesus is born unto us Jesus is given and the government shall be upon Jesus's shoulders and Jesus's name shall be wonderful and Jesus's name shall be counselor and Jesus is the almighty God and Jesus is the everlasting father and Jesus is oh God if you understand the story, God loved you so much he couldn't leave you in your sin or your iniquity, but he needed a body and he made himself a body and he indwelt that body so he could save humanity. The Godhead is nothing more but a demonstration of his love for you. Hmm. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. 
If you've ever memorized a verse in the Bible, you need to memorize Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Uh-huh. The Jewish people, when their sons and daughters are exiting the womb, their fathers are standing there. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Deuteronomy 6 continues to tell us they're going to speak about this when they rise up and when they go to bed. When they're walking in the concourses, they're going to speak of it. Why? There's something that the Jewish people engraved into the minds of their children and generations after them that the Lord their God was one New Testament scripture bears the same of Ephesians 6 and 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now, if the Old Testament says there's one Lord and the New Testament says there's one Lord, then there must be one Lord. Wait, though. But in the Old Testament... There's verbiage in verses of Scripture that speak of the Lord God. And in the New Testament, there's verses of Scripture that speak of the Lord Jesus. Now, if there's one Lord, the Lord God of the Old Testament must be the Lord Jesus of the New Testament. One. Indivisibly one. This is the foundational truth, folks, of all the Old Testament, that the Lord our God is one Lord. Amen. Our Lord is God, and He is one. Hallelujah. The Bible states, listen to me now, walk with me here, Isaiah 43 and verse 11. Amen. The God of the Old Testament, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. So just put that verse on the bulletin board, put your little hyphen, put G-O-D, God. Right? Right? But was it not already, we read it, already spoke to Mary, Matthew 1, 21, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save, that's the act of a savior, he shall save his people from his sins. God says, beside me there is no Savior. Jesus shows up and says, I'm here as Savior. Amen, to save you from your sins. How is that possible? Because the Almighty God enfleshed himself in the body of Jesus to save the world. There weren't two Saviors. There's only one Savior. The God of the Old Testament that manifested himself in the man Christ Jesus. God says, I look around here in heaven and on the left me on inside of me. Listen to me. I look around here in heaven on the left me inside of me and all around me. He says, you know what? There's nobody else up here. There's no other Savior. Oh, we're going to have fun. If I don't finish this morning, I'll finish tonight, okay? That's just, we under this agreement. And for one thing, it would take a series because the, 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 the Godhead... And the, everything that goes along with it is too vast to get done in 45 minutes or an hour. And I'm not saying I'm going to attempt to do that with this lesson. 
Isaiah 44, verses 6 through 8. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. And who as I shall call and shall declare it and set it in order for me since I appoint the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come and let them shew unto them. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? And he answers his own question. It was just rhetorical. Yea, there is no God. I know not any. He said there, there is no other Savior. He said there is no other God. There is no God beside me. I only am God. Isaiah 45. Those are good chapters. Isaiah 43, 44, and 45. Isaiah 45. It's all good. Amen. In verse 5. I am the Lord. And there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord. There is none else. I think God's a little hung up on letting everybody know that he's it. He's it. Because in Isaiah 43, verse 11, he says, beside me there's no Savior. I'm the only Savior. In Isaiah 44, in verse number 6, he tells me, there is no other God. I'm the only God. In Isaiah 45, in verse number 5, he's telling me, beside me there is no Lord, or I am, there's none else. I'm the only Lord. Watch this. In Isaiah 35, verse number 4, starting, I guess I can look up here. Isaiah 35, verse number 4. Look at the scripture here. It says, Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, look, your God will come with vengeance. He will come and save you. He will come and say, who's coming? He said, God. Who's coming with vengeance? God. Who's coming with recompense and retribution and payback and all that? God. Who's coming to save you, he said? God. Well, when did he come? He came in Bethlehem's manger. Well, that was Jesus Christ. And we'll get to the scripture because it's one of my favorite ones. If I ever die, you make sure this is at my funeral. Of 2 Corinthians 5.19. When Paul attested to the fact, to wit, that God was in Christ. When did he come? When Jesus was born. When did he come to save? When Jesus was born. When did he come to recompense and pay back? When Jesus was born. Amen. Someone say amen. Look what happens then. This is what's going to happen. Look, this is what happens as a result of God coming. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the death, sh death shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart. 
The tongue of the dumb sing, for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. He says whenever God comes with his recompense and God comes with his vengeance and God comes to save, then you're going to see blind eyes open, deaf ears are going to hear, there's going to be the loosening of the mute, they're going to be able to speak. Folks, do you understand what happened in New Testament Scripture? Even whenever John the Baptist was troubled and he asked his disciples, is he the one that should come or do we look for another? They went and talked G, talked to Jesus. Jesus says, you go back and tell John what you've heard and what you've seen. What's going on? Well, the blind eyes are being opened. The deaf people are hearing. The mute that could not speak are speaking. What's happening? i tell you what happened. God has come in the man Christ Jesus to save with recompense and vengeance. Amen. These are good things. And I like getting excited about these these things. I like preaching about them. I like teaching them. And I think sometimes we're good at proclaiming them. But folks, we really need to get to a place that we can explain them. Because your heartfelt, sincere proclamation without definition is weak. We need to know how to articulate the truth. That when if any man asks you, you can tell them of the hope the Bible says that lieth within you. God, God, Bible definition of God, John 4, 24. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In the Greek, it's not God is a spirit. It's clearly God is spirit. God is spirit. Nevertheless, God is spirit singular. He's not three spirits. He's not multiple spirits. He's one spirit of God that fathered the child that was in the womb of Mary. And that spirit embodied himself in the man, Christ Jesus. That's why he's called Jesus, Jehovah, is salvation. That's why he's called Emmanuel, God, with us. That's why Isaiah said he's the mighty God, the everlasting Father. That's why it's Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. just need to find the right spot to be able to have a runway to land the plane. All right. God has always been that which was and is and is to come. God is. The opening of the scripture is some of the most profound words in Genesis. In the beginning God everybody's wanting to try to find a place of origin read the first few words of your scriptures in the beginning God you want to have an origin you want to have, you want to have some type of cause to the effect God he has been he always will be God is eternal God is eternal whenever Christ was born and he embodied himself in Christ 
through his mother's side, he put limitations on him. But he was still unlimited on his father's side, the divine side. Jesus Christ, the flesh, all right, the flesh that was born from Mary's womb, lived for some 33 and a half years, and that flesh was put on a cross and put in a tomb. God lived before Jesus, the flesh, was ever born. And whenever they pronounced him dead on the cross, none of God died. I'm trying not to get weighed in too deep here. But the concept of an eternal son is incorrect. All right? (laughs) That flesh had a beginning. That flesh had an ending. But the spirit that indwelt that flesh has always been and will be. There's not an eternal son, but there is an eternal God. Oh, Holy Ghost. The Bible says Galatians 4 and 4. These are good scriptures, folks. I love these scriptures. Man, I got them in my Bible. Oh, they're in yours too. Hallelujah. The Bible says, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman. The Son of God, the fleshly part, the fleshly part of Jesus Christ that was, that was formed and formulated in the womb of a woman, made of a woman, made under the law. People tell you, well, God sent forth his son. In order for God to send forth his son, then he had to be with God in order for him to be sent forth. That's when I really get into this idea. And let me just state one other thing very clearly. You'll never find the terminology in Scripture, God the Son. It's always Son of God. Nowhere in the Bible, you search it from Genesis to Revelation, I guarantee you, you will not find the phrase, God the Son. It's always Son of God. Of God. Well, he was sent forth. And so the, he, he, he must have already been with God in order for that to happen. Well, folks, whenever you read John chapter number 1 and you start reading concerning this man, John the Baptist, the Bible says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. John wasn't in, in, up in heaven there walking around with God. Well, well how, why did God send his son? Because, listen, in Revelation chapter number 13, and these may not all be up there, all right? But in Revelation chapter number 13 and verse number 8, and it's speaking as the lamb that it had been slain from, everybody say, the foundation. From the foundation of the world. Because if we can speak in personification, in the mind of God, from the very begin of creation, he already had his crosshairs on Calvary. In the mind of God, from the very beginning of, crea- of creation, and Adam and Eve messed up. He knew he was going to have to fix all of that himself. And he already had his mind on creation. He already had his mind on Calvary. He already had his mind on there having to be a body that he was going to end well, and it, that body was going to die, but he was going to live internally, but the blood from that body was going to take care of remission of sins for humanity. In the mind and the will of God, from the very beginning, it was a lamb slain 
from the very foundation of the world because in the mind of God, it was already on his schedule. It was already a part of his purpose. It was already a part of his plan. But whenever he sent that son, amen, to Mary, that was his will, his mindset being expressed. Someone say amen. It preexisted in the mind of God, so to speak. And whenever he expressed that, he sent his son. The scripture, John 3, 16, we love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. Everybody say begotten. Have you looked up the word begotten lately? Something that is begotten is not something that already existed and then came into being. Something that's begotten is something that did not exist formally but is brought into being. Christ as a man, the fleshly part of man, had no existence prior to Bethlehem except only in the mind of God. But at Bethlehem, God sent his son, his will, amen, in the womb of Mary and she brought forth a son and they called his name Jesus. He was begotten. Someone say amen. Amen. It's the Son of God. If you note in Scripture, when Jesus is hanging on that cross, that flesh hanging there, he even spoke that Lama Lama Sabachani being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because they would have never been able to do what they did had God restrained himself or removed himself at a period of time from the flesh of Christ because he's the eternal one. So the flesh is saying, I'm feeling forsaken by the spirit. It dies in so much that whenever all this took place in the centurion and others that were with them in Matthew, I think it is chapter 27, they look and they said, surely or truly, this was the son of God. Well, what's the son of God? The son of God is the flesh of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, John 4, 10, verse 6. Let's go just a little further. Everybody all right? Everybody doing good? I hope, I'm trying to articulate this the best that I can. Amen. If you don't quite get it, take these scriptures, stick your nose in the middle of your Bible and look at it. And pray for a spirit of revelation. God is self-revealing. He says, Jesus saith unto him, I am, someone say it. I like that. I like that. You know why? You know why? Because throughout other religions and philosophies, Muhammad said, come follow me, I'll show you the way. Allah says, come follow me, I'll show you the way. Moroni, the angel says, come follow me, I'll show you. Joseph Smith says, come follow me and I'll show you the way. But Jesus Christ didn't say, come follow me and I'll show you the way. Jesus Christ proclaimed emphatically, I am the way. Man, I'm not just following Jesus. I'm walking in the path in the way of Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Other portion of scripture says, no man cometh up any other way, but by him you come up any other way. You're the same as a thief and a robber. He's the way. He says in verse seven, if ye had known me, 
Jesus says, if you'd known me, you should have known my father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Oh, tells the scripture tells us time and time again, no one could look upon God. No one has ever seen the face of God at any time. If any ever has, it's because he manifested himself in some form in which he could be seen. But he's a spirit. He's invisible. You can't see him unless he manifests himself in some way. And my common phraseology has always been this. All of God you'll ever see is in the man Christ Jesus. Jesus says, if you knew me, you would you know my father also. In fact, you, you do know the father and you, you see the father. And then Philip, good old disciple here, Philip pipes up in verse 8, Philip saying to him, Lord, show us the father. You know, we, some of us just got learning curves. And the Lord just told him, he says, if you, if you <laughs> he just told me, he says, hey, if, you've, if you know me, then you've seen the father. And then Philip turns right around. Here's the learning curve, Philip. When there's a learning curve, Lord, show us the Father. I don't know if he didn't just get what the Lord said or if he was picking his teeth while he was talking or what was going on. But he says, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. In verse 9, Jesus says unto him, Have I been so long time with you? If I just stated in these words, and I, please, I say this sincerely and humbly and, and by no means trying to be crass, if that's the right word, uh, um, what he's saying is how long do I got to be with you before you realize this he says has, have I been so long time with you and yet hast thou not known me Philip which a sermon for another day proves to me I guess that you can be with the Lord and not truly know the Lord Where am I at? Verse 9, yeah, yeah. Has not known me, Philip. He that has seen, he that has seen me, Jesus says, has seen the Father. Because all that you're going to see of the Father, amen, of God is in me. And how sayest thou then, shewest the Father? Believest thou that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doth the works. Verse 11, he says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me or else believe me for the very work's sake. What, what's you, what are you talking about? Well, Christ is healing the sick, raising the dead. Miracles are being performed. All right? And even whenever Nicodemus came to Jesus Christ in John 3 and was speaking to him about salvation, how a man can inherit the kingdom of God, he said to Jesus, I think it's John 3, 2, he says, we know that you must be with God or come from God because no man can do these things except God be with him. Well, he just got it a little wrong. God wasn't just with him, God was in him. He says, all these signs and miracles, these are the attributes and characteristics of God. But you're doing them. So God must be with you, or for better clarification, he was in him. So he was telling Philip, he said, Philip, if all this you have problems, believe it. Just believe for my very work's sake, because nobody can do this except God. <laughs> 
Someone say hallelujah. Nobody can do this except God. I want you to know I probably really elaborated on this lesson today. With the, I, yeah, there's a lot of other material that I've just kind of thrown in here. Blessing Jesus. see how much more material I got well that would be a good stopping spot is everybody comfortable with stopping there everybody, oh, you better believe it <laughs> so we're on that side of the pulpit not on this side we don't know how <laughs> stand with me today thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.